Living the unique lifestyle is a commitment to uplifting, empowering, and validating women everywhere. It's devoting yourself to helping a global family of women realize their potential for personal growth and financial reward. Together, we make a beautiful team. Are you ready to live unique? Visit LaceyDrawers.com and click on Unique by Renee. Hi, I'm Lacey Drawers, and I am not Nina Flowers. And this is We Are Not Nina Flowers. Lexi is not feeling very great today, so I'm doing this solo, sort of. Actually, I have a special guest on the show today. Uh, my special guest is my drag daughter, Evolution. Say hi, Eva. Hi, Eva. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Do you want to do the opening? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, hi, everybody. I'm not Nina Flowers, and I'm not Lexi Diamond, but I am Evolution. Cute. There will be a refund processed in three to four business days. <laughs> All right, Eva, I've got a few questions for you before we jump into the main discussion. Are you ready for them? I did not study for this exam. I'm really stressed out. My anxiety <laughs> levels are up to the roof. Don't be nervous. They're pretty simple. All right, Beyonce or Britney? Beyonce. Why? Because it's Beyonce. All right. <laughs> uh, what will your tombstones say? Here lies evolution. She really did not miss that falling piano. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, or I could do like a Buffy reference and do like, you know, she saved the world a lot. <laughs> All right. That's cute. Uh, what is your pre-show ritual? Um... I don't know if I have a set pre-show ritual. I know when I'm usually getting ready for shows, I usually tend to put on a movie and okay. use that as a like a timer okay. for myself. I'm like, okay, by the time this movie is done, my face needs to be ready. Never is ready in time. Uh, but I think as far as like actual pre-show rituals, it's usually more of like get my stuff organized. You know, I need to have my jewelry in a certain spot, my costumes ready, mm-hmm. just know the layout of things just because backstage it gets always so chaotic so sure, i sure. just want to know where do i need to head to and how fast can i get changed right. very cool uh what is your favorite lip sync song oh geez i think that changes depending on like the season right now i think given the most recent songs that i've done a few times um there's megan trainers me too just because the most of the times when i've done it the looks or the costumes that I've done to them have just been so over the top that just having that song or that performance going, it just gets the crowd going. Some juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah. The other one I would say, I've really just been on a Sia kick lately, but not the one, not the songs that everyone's been doing. So like, I'm not the 12 billionth queen to do a live, but I love doing cheap thrills and the greatest, that song, I have a couple of soft spots for it. And then I have like some other ones that are weren't as well received based on the audience, but do hit a very special place in my heart, like Celia Cruz, um, J-Lo, especially a certain song that everyone always quotes me for. Let's get loud. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Let's get loud. Especially since but I But did always... you get loud, though? Yep. Especially because <laughs> I always get met with that question, did I get loud? I think we're still wondering if I got loud. That's true. Uh, what color is your aura? So, fun fact, I actually do know this. Okay. I, I've had my picture taken quite a few times, and it's red. But and what does that mean? It's usually just high energy, competitive, determined. Okay. And then there's like other tones that like are more reflective of emotional personality. Wait, what color is my aura? Can you see it now? I would say green, just because you, you seem to be more in a relaxed state. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. I would black, assume like, like black or brown, like a deep brown. It's a mossy oak. <laughs> I got dumped on Saturday, so <laughs> uh, I would assume brown. All right, what is your least favorite color and why? I don't know if I have a least favorite color. I would probably say the color yellow, but only because it never really looks that great on me. Okay. 
You can tell you're my daughter. Did you listen to Meet the Queens episode yet? I did, and I just not realized that after the fact. <laughs> I hate the color yellow. <laughs> I've just tried it on him a few times, and it's just the tone of it, I think, is what it depends. You have an olive tone. So yeah. Like maybe way, yeah. Yeah, so, like, more of, like, gold tones will work, but, like, the really yeah. soft, like, pastel kind of color, it just makes me look like I'm sick. Understand. Totally got it. All right, out of drag. Who on RuPaul's Drag Race is your crush? Ooh, this one's a tough one. Just because I, I'm still in that weird mental set where like sometimes like I'll find a drag queen pretty, uh-huh. but then I'll see their boy counterpart and I'm just like, that's it. No transformation, like Farah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would probably say if I had, a, I think. Raven out of drag is really handsome. Like okay. he's got very striking features. He's sure. got that tall, dark look. I would say Fifi O'Hara out of drag is cute. Like just really, uh-huh. I just like the style. Um, boyish looks. The boyish looks. Yeah. Like I could put her in my pocket and just run away. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What, who else? Well, Lexi and I were talking, and we came to the conclusion that I think. Probably the most attractive out of drag is going to be Courtney for me because I have a Draco Malfoy complex and she's scrawny and blonde. Uh, Katya is going to be the same way, scrawny, blonde, tall. So I have a Draco Malfoy complex. I'm not afraid to admit it. I agree with the Katya part. The Courtney part, I think the personality sometimes is what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, some people just open their mouths and you're like, and you were cute. Right. I would... Part of me would say Miss Fame as a mm-hmm. boy is very handsome. Yeah. But I feel like... In a traditional sense. Yeah, in a very tradition, a traditional aspect of it. But I feel like almost everybody would be saying Miss yeah. Fame. Or Pearl, you know. Yeah. Everyone's always on his dick. But I would probably just kind of sway mainly for the first two options that I probably said. Yeah. Oh, Adore Delano, though. Great that lips. That was Lexi's. <laughs> Great lips. Yeah. And I have a thing about lips. All right. Uh, what is your aesthetic? I always joke about it, but my, I always say that my aesthetic is Amazon Prime two-day shipping. <laughs> okay. Because I'm a big, big online shopper. But I would probably say that my aesthetic really stems from a couple of different places. I would say that there's an, a big def, uh, influence of camp. I wonder where I got that from. <laughs> wonder. Wonder, geez. <laughs> if only we had a flashing neon sign when I needed it. Um, I would also probably say a little bit of an old school sense some of it um, especially kind of like 1960s I do love my go-go boots yeah not just because they're comfortable and usually at a more altitude friendly height for me there you go <laughs> see I can acknowledge it too and make fun of it um, but I would also say definitely a cosplay kind of a nerd culture aspect I think that's really one of my biggest upfronts with it and I think there's also a little bit of like a smidgen of showgirl I'm, I mean mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of sequence yeah um there's not a sequin romper I've yet to turn down. Yeah. A sequin romper that wouldn't fit, but that's a different story. <laughs> right. Okay, that's good. Well, that leads us perfect into our main discussion today. We're going to talk about cosplay in the drag community. Yay! Uh, before we jump into that, we do have a little message from Lexi. So we are going to listen to that and then take a quick word from our sponsors. So we will be right back. And that's my cute exit, right? You got it. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Lexi Diamond. Sorry I couldn't make it for this episode. Uh, I hope you guys are having fun with Eva and Lacey. I know that the topic is cosplay this week, and I do want to say that I was a very resistant queen towards cosplay when it was first introduced, specifically by Evolution. And I will say that she, along with some other queens, um, are very responsible for the fact that I am a big supporter of it now. I have constant ideas of when I want to do cosplay, stuff that I still haven't materialized, but I still want to do that I have in the works. Uh, so I want to thank Eva and people like Daxclamation and Fifi O'Hara, who have really kind of changed my mentality on that. I used to be really resistant and think that that was something totally different and that that's not performance-based and what have you. Uh, so I really support and appreciate the girls that are doing it because they can show me that it we don't have rules that we have to abide by anymore and uh i love it keep doing what you're doing you're doing great girls and uh, especially you eva so do what you do and 
Make me proud, girl. Did you know that this podcast is also sponsored by our live show bookings? If you haven't booked us at your local bar, comedy club, theater, or living room, why not? Visit LaceyJores.com and click on the Contact Me link for rates and fees today. Or if you want to throw a couple bucks to us, click the Tip a Queen link. And we're back. So, Eva, what did you think of what Lexi had to say about cosplay? You know, I'm actually really surprised by that. Yeah? Why? Just because I been around her for what over a year now oh yeah so when i first started um doing drag in general and i know that she kind of was a little bit hesitant to accept what drag um what drag and cosplay as far as how do they meet at that intersection mm-hmm. was so for her to say that she was supportive of it or you know or at least developing an appreciation for it it makes me very proud of her and i would hug her but you know that would imply that i I can tolerate her. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love her. She's. I love her dearly. She's one of my sisters. Uh, okay, so Lexi and I had actually talked previously about cosplay in the drag community. How do you feel that overall it's received? You know, I think objectively there are quite a few queens and a, quite a few individuals who are making more of a presence of it. Or at least making that element known. Right. I think right now, when you really throw out that term cosplay, people tend to either dismiss it or have a limited perspective of it. You know, they usually equate it to, you know, comic cons. Right. And they kind of say like, oh, it's always just comic book characters. But they don't really realize how much of a magnitude carries behind that title. Right. But then I think when you go into the drag piece of it, really, I think think when it comes to drag queens a lot of times they really only bring up that word around halloween season you know what i mean like that's when everyone's pulling out their costumes and doing that piece of it of that characterization of someone else entirely that they kind of say like oh i'll do cosplay during halloween right but then when it gets to the rest of the 364 days of the year it kind of becomes this blanket statement unless someone is saying like oh i'm doing a disney look or something else so I think right now, initially, a lot of times it gets dismissed or misunderstood or not necessarily viewed as drag. Right. It's just people sometimes just dismiss it and don't necessarily acknowledge it as having the same amount of efforts that drag does, which really at right. the end of the day, a cosplayer and a drag queen are both busting their asses to paint right. their face to look like someone else, to create a look, whether it's sewing it, whether it's assembling it. Um, through existing pieces of clothing or whatever you can find and really trying to embody that persona, whether it's your drag um, your drag queen perspective or whether it's the character that you're trying to embody. So right. I think a lot of times it's just misunderstood or not necessarily acknowledged. Agreed. Well, and that was something Lexi and I had also talked about was the fact that cosplayers and drag queens both have to style hair. Yeah. They both have to do makeup. They have to change their face structure. They have to create a costume of some sort. And it has to be a head to toe. Yep. And one thing that I also had mentioned was that drag queens doing cosplay is not gender bending. Where a lot of the drag community and the drag audience views it as a gender bend when it's not when you look at the cosplay community they look at gender bending completely different yeah they have a whole title for it right a female dressing up as the joker as a female is gender bending but dax going to a comic-con dressed as storm is not gender bending right she just happens to be a man who's cosplaying as storm right and it's a different thing but some of the drag community can't really appreciate that But it's different. When you do Supergirl, you're not gender bending. You're doing a cosplay of Supergirl. Exactly. And it's something that I don't think the drag community quite is behind yet. Um, Which is really kind of silly when you think about the fact that you have a community of performers and artists who customarily challenge gender roles or gender expressions. Right. So it almost seems like it's a step back in a weird way of saying, of right. like, oh, no, you have to stay in your lane. And if you're a cisgender male or identify as male, you therefore have to present costumes that are strictly as that. Right. Um, especially if you're doing a cosplay element. But then, you know, with it's actually really funny that you guys brought that up um, early on because even within the cosplay community, there's those cross players. 
And I think even if you were to search on Instagram, not only would you see my pictures, hint, um, <laughs> but you would also see a lot of different examples. And a lot of times right now, it really gets thrown out a lot with the girls who are cosplaying a male character. It's not drag at that point, as far as how they're expressing it. They're just doing cosplay. Where the cosplayers don't see it as drag, they see it as crossplay. Yeah. Right. Where if you were to, as a cisgendered male, do a male character, they would not even consider that drag, even though that is technically drag. Right. But they're not going to take it as that. Right. It, semantics, I think, is really what it falls It really into. is. Where you look at it and you see the nerd culture is obviously more open and accepting to some sort of change, something that's not the norm. Right. Dax makes money being a professional cosplayer. Right. They don't look at her as a male dressed as Storm. They look at a cosplayer doing a really spot-on Storm. And she does more than Storm, but like I think she's most famous for her Storm. Yeah, she does. Because she uh, does more than just one yeah, Storm. Electra, she does uh, Cammy from Street Fighter, mm-hmm. which I thought was brilliant because that brings up like a whole different subject of like people of color cosplaying other right. characters. Because she's done Sailor Mars, too. Right. Yeah, and she's not Japanese. <laughs> what? I know. But then it's... It's ironic because they will allow me to do Sailor Moon and fully accept it because they understand the character. They know the character. Right. But when I do, when I did Ms. Marvel, not everybody knew who she was, so they were not as open to it. You know, it's a difference between you doing Mulan and Supergirl versus doing... Daria. Daria. Daria Morgendorfer was surprising, but I think that one was more of a... A reflection of the generational gap. I think so too. But it was, but you could wear that to a comic con. Yeah. And your generational gaps are going to disappear because the nerd culture is going to understand it better and be more open to it. Right. And you know, for that one specifically, it was actually really funny because when I did the performance as Daria, I did it to Bikini Kills Rebel Girl. So I did it to a Riot Girl band, which really, when you think about the character of Daria. Lined That's perfect, up. yeah. It lined up, and I even was living for it and everything. But the audience themselves just was not really welcoming of it. And I realized that a lot of it was just that they, these were kids who were a little bit more younger who really didn't know about that aspect of the 90s MTV. Right. But I ended up posting a picture of it on Instagram. And people were, like, liking it left and right, and they were all all living for it. And I even got some great comments on it. They were, yeah. like, they were like, this is great, this is awesome. But, even some fan pages were all supporting it. And so I'm just like, huh, it's how you market the audience. And I right. kind of noticed that sometimes is that certain looks or certain costumes really are well received when it's something that is known by the audience collectively. Whereas I think sometimes when it gets into those spots that are truly just a work of passion for the cosplayer or for the performer, really sometimes unfortunately get lost unless you yeah. understand it because like your miss marvel costume was spot on i loved yeah. it i really enjoyed it but it, but to know that it wasn't well received it was just like it makes it very difficult especially because they didn't know what was going on backstage right to have seven people including jujube oh that was an event trying to zip up my thigh highs and then to go out and do formation by beyonce people were a little confused by it right and it's, it's frustrating, because I put a lot into that costume. I, It is spot on. It is completely yeah. spot on. And your Daria was completely spot on. And you have recently done some different kinds of cosplay. You've done the genie in Sadness um, from Inside Out. Yep. And you did the Grinch for... The Christmassy shows. Yeah, yeah. I was like drag queen number 42 out of like the 300 drag queens that did Grinch that season. It was hilarious. Like I would go on Instagram and do like the explore page. I'm like, oh look, another another Grinch. Another Grinch. But how many in Denver were doing it? One. I know of. One. Just (laughs) me. Just me. It's all that matters. Oh, that matters, I should say. So what do you think the cosplay direction for drag, how do you, where's that going? I think there's definitely more visibility. 
And uh, some of the younger queens who are part of the number scene, um, I've noticed that there's that element that's come up with come out with them and I've even seen a couple of flyers for other shows where they're promoting cosplay so I think there's that element of it and I think sometimes that stems from a almost like a yearning of nostalgia you know what I mean right especially because a lot of times they'll say like oh it's a 90s show or it's a video game show or occasionally they'll actually find out labeled it it's a cosplay gig and I think it stems from a place of nostalgia because it almost gives something for the audience to connect to instantly. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's like when you go out there and perform, if you perform like, let's say, Christina's Genie in a Bottle, right? That's Most people are going to be singing along right there with you, perform, you know, short of actually performing right, up, right alongside right. with you. But when you go into those cosplay environments, and let's say that I deliver Tina Belcher, you know, one of, my, one of the ones that's always like well-received, the audience, because of the... the fame or the popularity of Bob's Burgers are like, oh my god, it's Tina, it's Tina. I'm like, are you paying attention to the song choice I made? I thought it was really clever. Right. I'm doing Nicki Minaj in the background. Yeah. And I'm doing Anaconda. Come on now. This is kind of hilarious <laughs> yeah. right now. So I think it gives something for the audience to connect to and kind of almost pulls them in. It almost becomes a little bit more of a storytelling aspect sure. of things. Sure. Which... I think at its core, when you look at cosplay, that's really what it comes to because it's really just embodying that character, which, you know, is parallel to what drag is. You become this other personality. And all you just end up doing when you bring in both elements of it is that you have your drag persona, your drag attitude, and then you just bring in that element of of a secondary character. And it's like, oh, okay, this is kind of a little bit meta now. Now I'm actually kind of doing more more storytelling or more, I'm doing something a little bit more different to kind of get the audience more involved in the performance. Well, that also, doing Anaconda dressed as Tina Belcher adds to your camp style too, which you think other drag performers and a drag audience would appreciate. Right. But they may be a little stuck on the fact that they just know the character or they just know the song and they're not really putting them together. Right. Do you feel that the MCU or even... DC movies are helping or hindering cosplay in the drag community. Let's just talk about the fact that this last Halloween, every drag queen was Harley Quinn. Right. Is that a help or a hindrance? Because even Chad Michaels did it. Like, it was not like it was just local queens. No, yeah. Big queens doing it. Yeah. But I think at the same light, you also want to look at the fact that not just every drag queen was Harley Quinn, but every girl was Harley Quinn. I think... It goes either way, and it depends on the it depends on the audience. It depends on the delivery. I mean, I, let's face it. Sometimes we've seen one too many performances where they try to argue artistic liberties, sure. and it's really more like, no, you're just racist. Right. I think as far as exposure, it definitely is a helpful piece of it, especially for someone who maybe wasn't interested in Suicide Squad specifically, right. and they but they went to go see the movie, so they had no background on there, right. and then they see Harley Quinn. And so now it's like, oh, I remember that. It's a come almost like a reinforcement piece of it. And then if they really like the character or they like the way, say, Chad performed, you know, it might develop an interest for them to kind of see where Harley stemmed from and how and then they wasted money to go see the movie and realized how awful it was. I mean, if we're gonna spill the tea <laughs> this early on into the into the discussion, we could go there. But um, I think it helps as far as exposure and introducing people. As far as, like, staying true to the art form, you know, where you could have, say, performers who don't do the cinematic version of Harley and will do the classic black and red jumpsuit with the cartoonish hammer, you know, the the gesture. You know, I think that's more of a nod to the the origin of, you know, of the look. And for the fanboys or fangirls who are in the audience, you know, it's like... That's their moment where they're like, yes, love it. But it's just what connects them to that. It creates that bond between performer and audience. Sure. Do you feel that there should be more drag cosplayers? Or is it something where you kind of want to have the niche on it in the Denver scene? That's a really great question. And I actually was thinking about that when I was driving over here. I welcome other cosplayers. I also welcome any other drag queen that cosplays. And, I, and for me, when I first started out drag, 
everyone, you know, was still asking me, what's your aesthetic? What's this? What's what's that? You know, are, are you going to be fishy? Are you going to be campy? Are you going to be a club kid? And I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out eyeliner right now and just trying right. to get through this performance. But it wasn't until, you know, the few, the first shows where I got to bust out a cosplay where I was so passionate about it and I was so thrilled. I mean, hell, you were back there with me sometimes and I was running around like a little kid on a sugar high. You know, I was giddy as fuck. And so for me, I welcomed those folks with whom that's their passion. That's what their yeah. creative energy is. Now, the reason why I'm welcoming of that is because I think as human beings, we have this habit of trying to group ourselves and in turn exclude others and yeah. saying like, oh, we're going to do this and we will only talk to each other about this information and block out anybody else who does something else different. You know, almost kind of like that is just telling people to stay in their own lane. Sure. And so... I think that mentality or that habit that we may have sometimes, I always feel like it's a very immature attitude and I don't think it helps anybody. You know what I mean? It's like, right. it, it doesn't build your sense of community. It doesn't help those who are learning. Instead, it just kind of creates more walls in, in a climate. I mean, if, if we want to get political right now in a climate where really what we need to be doing is unifying with each other and acknowledging our diversity and what we each bring as performers and artists instead of trying to get very regulated and saying like right that and, and instead of limiting what we can do because i think when we talk about the the art of drag we talk about an art form that we all say has no rules has no limits has no set way of expressions so why are we all of a sudden saying someone who is trying to blend mediums is now being excluded? You wouldn't right. It's counterintuitive to what the purpose of what drag is. Okay, so how do you feel the Denver drag community has embraced cosplay? I would say very little. I think there's some performers who, who appreciate it, get it, and they love it, and they live for it. And then there's some performers who it makes them question what they, on a personal level, acknowledge is what drag is. And unfortunately, when they get questioned it or put in a position where they have to question that element, they dismiss it. And they will pick it apart and try to marginalize things into a almost regula- regulation say, um, standard of what they feel drag should, drag should be. And But then on the flip side, there's also other performers who may be coming at it from a more popular standpoint. I'll just throw that out there. And they'll just say like, oh, this look is so awesome. This look is so, so great. But then they'll expect that performer to fall back on to, again, the regulation look of what they are expected to, um, to provide. So I think as a community, I, I can definitely see that Denver can be very supportive of each other. But I also see it as being almost a little bit dismissive of things that are not following the trend or things that are being done differently. And sure. I, and I think sometimes those well-intended moments where they're trying to support each other really are more trying to iron out this difference and say, no, you had to follow regulation and go with what we, what we all do. What are some of the cosplays that you've done? We've talked about... Uh, Supergirl, we've talked about Daria. What are some of the other cosplays you've done? So my favorite one, and one that I think people remember me from a little bit more, is Mulan. Basically the whole performance was doing the kimono version of Mulan, and then my attempt at her warrior version, which really, when you look at the movie, it has her wearing pants. That was pretty much, that was a very hard look. Um, I also did Ash Ketchum, the crossplay version. Jesse from Team Rocket. There was also Daria Morgendorfer for those kids who don't know. Get get on Wikipedia, look for it. In this in this instance, we'll accept Wikipedia as an acceptable source. <laughs> and Sadness from Inside Out, which was surprisingly really well received. Genie from Aladdin, The Grinch, Miss Frizzle, taking it yeah. back. I also have in the works Sailor Mercury. All right, we're going to take another quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we will be right back. 
Love will be on your mind with this month's Kudos collection, which includes a free lip brush and two of your favorite products in the colors of your choice, a Moodstruck Splash Liquid Lipstick and a Splurge Cream Shadow. The Look of Love collection, available on LaceyDrawers.com and click on Unique by Renee. While supplies last, some exclusions apply. And we are back. Eva, tell me what you think about Fifi O'Hara in a cosplay mind. In a cosplay mind? Well, that's really the only way I can approach it. I'm, I feel like I'm the bad drag queen who wasn't obsessed with her or really didn't know her during her run on, on the show. Sure. All-Star 2 is a different start, but we'll talk about that on a different day. So from a cosplay direction, I honestly really admire her work. Especially given the fact that she did a whole year of freaking looks and she did these great drag elements and she mm-hmm. really I, I really just have a lot of admiration for her skill. And so for, we owe her a bit of gratitude for pushing cosplay in drag. Yeah. Yeah. Especially given the fact that it was just bigger exposure. I mean, you know, you had BuzzFeed, for example, picking up her right. first run of like that cartoon series. Right. I kid you not, like, granted, here we are, what, over a year later, and just on Monday, I had a friend of mine tagging me in a Facebook post saying, you know, you should check out this post, and it was the same photo series, and I was like, girl, I saw it, I gagged, I lived for it. So she did the cartoon characters pretty on, and then did a second run near the end, right? Um, but she also had My Little Pony, which yeah. was fantastic because then she was using prosthetics. She's bringing a different layer of drag into it that most queens are not going to use prosthetics. Right. They want to change their body shape in a different way and not look like a horse. Right. Right. But she also had her Pokemon trainers. Which I really amazing. liked a lot. Yeah. Especially when she was exposing in the comments and sections and talking about how she assembled some of those items, you know, she's, where she was saying like, oh, there's a couple pizza boxes and I glued some items together and I painted together. For me, from like my perspective, it kind of was really nice hearing her creative process behind it and saying right. like, this is how I assembled it. Well, she had said in her last post that she is going to be focusing more on cosplay only this year. She's not going to do a 365 challenge, but she is going to focus more on cosplay looks and also a cosplay YouTube channel. Uh, How do you feel that will go over? Honestly, I would not be surprised if we saw more baby queens drawing out on the cosplay side of it, or at least seeing her maybe become more of a face as a cosplayer sure you know i would not be surprised if they if you had like a company like say mayron or ben i if we want to go down that route you know really saying like hey let's start promoting you and having you get sponsorship deals i think from the community aspect of it i'm thrilled by it i love that collaboration piece of it and i'm completely there for her just kind of Kind of almost mirroring like James Mansfield right now, where she's really trying to teach back to those folks who are just barely stepping into this process. I mean, especially when you come into this art form, you kind of realize it's like, holy shit, this is kind of complicated. Yeah. This is a lot to do. How do I right. work with fabric? How do I work with synthetic hair? Right. How the fuck do I tease a damn wig? Right. Still trying to figure it out, folks, by the way. <laughs> Kidding. So, one of the things that we had also discussed was how. And this goes back to Fifi and the pizza boxes, is how cosplayers and drag queens are both using the same resources and may not even know it. The drag and cosplay community may be a lot more intertwined than oh, yeah. either of them think. Oh, yeah. And I think we've, we've talked about this, too, because um, for when we were... I think it was during this past summer during Angina when we were getting ready. You had just gotten a wig and you told me that you had gotten a wig off of a cosplay website. And I was, you know, starting from my perspective as a performer, I was like, oh, how's the hair? What's the dick? It's, you know, just going through the usual questions. And so I ended up looking on the website and I started realizing that some of those images on that same website for the costume wigs, or as they called them, cosplay wigs, they were the same exact images from a different wig company so i'm pretty sure i also told you that too 
that but I'm trying to seem cosplay buzz and wigs fashion are the same. <laughs> we said the name, yeah, but they ain't sponsoring us. If they want to send us some money, we'll keep saying their name. I also take payment in wigs and wig products, <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, just seeing that side of it, I found it really funny because, you know, you'll have drag queens dropping hundreds of dollars on these items, but then your cosplayers are trying to get savvy with what they can afford. Right. And then you have that small group of folks who realize, oh, uh, who start realizing, wait a second, I can pay 50 bucks for a wig as opposed to $70 a markup that I'm getting somewhere else. So we pull from the same resources. I mean, for me, like I buy a lot of rockstar wigs. That company markets primarily to, to the cosplay and the Lolita right. community. Right. And for me, I'm like, yeah, I like it. I like what I can do with it. And so we share a lot of common tools. I mean, God, you can walk into any Michaels and you can probably see some kid buying a shitload of rhinestones for maybe a, a Steven Universe look. Right. And then you're going to see another performer buying the same amount of shitload of rhinestones because they're going to rhinestone the fuck out of their costume. Well, yeah, I mean, you are... The thing is, is with cosplay and with drag, and because you do both, and I do a lot of cosplay, both of them are trying to look the most expensive for the cheapest amount. Oh, yeah. Every drag queen wants to look expensive, put together, well done, everything head-to-toe look. Right. That is exactly what a cosplayer wants. But they just have a better model to go off of. Drag queens are creating it themselves, which means a lot of times it goes over people's heads. Yes. You know, unless you were doing something super campy, then some people are just not going to get it. Right. You know, like, if I would have just worn a green top and a white skirt and did milkshake... It would have been fine. People knew the song. But I had a giant cherry on my head and a straw coming out of my shoulder that I created that added that camp to it. Right. That suddenly people were like, oh my God, she looks like a milkshake. And I think that's where a lot of that intersection between cosplay and drag comes from. The camp factor. I mean, for fuck's sake, I'm I'm a cisgender male. I'm six foot one. I'm not a skinny bitch. And And then in heels, six foot two. (laughs) <laughs> shade shade it's six foot three now thank you very much <laughs> but no I, I mean you know i'm a very big guy and then i paint myself up to look like a woman quote unquote and it's an exaggerated form of what femininity is exactly and then right. i bring in a character and that character is also exaggerated in, in, in right. turn as well so you know it's camp it's an exaggeration of things and then for me because sometimes the cosplay look is married to a performance it's oftentimes an exaggeration of that character right. or a reinterpretation of certain aspects of it there's a lot that gets said with the concept of it and i think maybe that's where some of the resistance happens with that is that you're right i think people don't like being told you know when you're doing something like this you're conceptualizing something they they like being free reign and you know free to express themselves and that's fine and people do that still as cosplayers right which also puts you on the other side of it when you have a look that is already big in popular culture mm-hmm. even if it's just within the nerd culture right you know you suddenly are also up for a lot more critique where people say that is not how she would look her hair would not look like oh that. yeah when i do louise belcher really it doesn't matter i just wear a plain green dress right i wear a long ass wig because it helps my face look better framed I don't do a short wig like Louise has, but it doesn't matter. As long as I have the pink ears on, people won't seem to give a shit. Right. right? But people will still come up to me and say, oh, her hair is not that long. I'm basing it off of a six-year-old girl. Like, I don't know. Is she nine? Ten, maybe? Who cares? She's too young to be out late at night. (laughs) Right. She is wearing pigtails. I put my hair in pigtails. Who right. cares how long my hair is? Well, and I think sometimes that even goes into, like, the gender aspect of it. So, like, one right. of my cosplays, and I think it was it was actually the same show when you did Miss Marvel. I did I did Wolverine. Okay, A, I did Wolverine dress, while dressed in drag. So, 
if we look at the canon, and not X twenty three, not like, X twenty three. Yeah, and Logan. I was very upfront about that the entire time because it was I had short bob hair, which you know for me is such a stretch for my imagination. Yeah, I've never seen you in a bob. Before. Never seen me in a bob. Me bob? No, but you know it was a female twist on it was what, a gender bend yeah it was a gender it was bend. a gender bend of logan yeah not of x23 and you know people at when i did the reveal when i actually like revealed my arms and i had the claws out you know people were not necessarily trying to pick apart the costume they're like oh wolverine Right. But then I had a few people who were like, going, are you doing Laura Kinney? And I'm like, no, 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 no. If I were doing Laura Kinney, I would get the right wig for it. But again, it was just because I wanted something that would hit the audience very quickly to be like, get it. I understand it. Right. But I think also when you get into those folks who start critiquing the costumes, I'm going to say that those folks are also going to be parallel to the folks who critique drag makeup. True. Right, where they True. start saying like, "Oh, you're not blending enough," or "You need to use highlighter," or "Eva needs to wear higher heels." I'm sorry, you're both running the same path right now. Right, and there's that very big point where, when it comes to your art form, you have to either listen to those critiques, acknowledge them, or just ultimately do what's best for you and what right. makes you happy. Which is what I told you when people started critiquing you on your heel height, especially. I know. I would be like, if you don't feel comfortable in them, don't wear them. It's fine. Like. No one cares. Are you in a heel? Cool. You could wear tennis shoes and still get far on RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, yeah. Looking like a baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That brings up another good point. People get really nitpicky about cosplay in general, about your drag in general. How come people are not so open with cosplay within the community, um, but they are really open to celebrity impersonation? You know, I, if I had an answer, I'd be a millionaire at this point. Because I mean, because we have people that have won RuPaul's Drag Race as celebrity impersonators. Right. Why is that okay, but you doing a gender-bent Logan is critiqued higher? I think a lot of it might be on the fact that they, it's that perception of what cosplay is. Or what it what they feel it's it, it, it it's limited to you know what I mean because I think when they when you hear someone say the word cosplay a lot of times your first thought is superhero fictional character comic books book characters right the more token items of what nerd culture is absorbed in sure. and I think what people don't realize is that me slapping on a wig and prancing about thinking I'm Celia Cruz it's the same exact thing. It's still cosplay. You become that character. I mean, you know, there's that really awesome TED Talks that you linked me to the other day um, where it was Adam Savage from Mythbusters where he was talking about cosplay culture. And he finishes this, like, 15-minute TED Talk, which, by the way, is gen- genius for anybody listening. We'll have a link on the website. He ends it and he talks about how it's not just assembling a costume. It's not just assembling a look. It's portraying a character and revealing an aspect of what that character could mean for you. For many of these folks who do celebrity impersonations or the more pretentious title, Illusions... God, that bugs me. As soon as I start hearing people saying, like, I'm doing a a Selena Quintanilla illusion, all of a sudden I'm like, so you're Selena. Got it. You're cosplaying Selena. You know that these people are impersonating a celebrity or a a figure that has some importance to them. You know, I'm pretty sure Chad Michaels is a fan of Cher. He wouldn't just impersonate Cher just for the sake of impersonating Cher, you know? He actually doesn't. Oh, He's really? not a huge fan of Cher. Really? He, <laughs> that completely defeats my point then. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, it's a good point. The fact is, is that he kind of got pushed into doing Cher and learned to appreciate Cher. Right. Love share like is not going to be like I hate share right, but is not going to go so far to say that he is share's biggest fan. Mm-hmm. He is just the world's best share impersonator. Okay, right. I don't understand, and maybe this is just because I'm a lot more open because I do drag and I do cosplay. Right. I don't understand how. People that do celebrity illusions 
are any different than people that cosplay as a superhero. I feel that when I'm doing Carol Danvers, it's not because I want to look like a comic book character. I didn't paint to look like a comic book character. I painted to look like a person. Right. And Carol Danvers is a person in a comic book. It's a personification. Exactly. Where, you know, Cher is a little bit different. Cher is open and... I mean, Cher is Cher. Everybody knows who Cher is. Right. But at one point, that was probably a character that she just grew into... And Chad became that character as well. I really That's what Chad's doing right now on his Instagram is focusing on classic Cher looks. That's cosplay. Cher is not wearing the same stuff that she wore in the 1960s. Now he is cosplaying 1960s Cher. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. And really, I think what you're also describing is something that cosplayers also do, which is the deconstruction of an outfit or a look. Right. Because f- f- for Chad example, you know, he's going to have to look at the body of work of what Cher used to do. He's going to have to learn how to assemble those looks, whether it's actually creating the garment by, by hand, whether it's knowing how to accommodate for that paint technique, anything else on there. It's not any different from what I'm doing when I'm looking at inside out and I'm looking at reference images and saying like okay I need to find a sweater that fits in this in this way in order for it to be perceived as sadness or I need to find the right shade of blue that I have to paint my skin in order to be viewed as sadness at that point it's there's a deconstruction that exists in both in both sides and we're doing the same work I think the only reason why people are so accepting of celebrity impersonation illusions take a shot every time you hear the word illusions come up illusions or disillusions that i think the reason why they are more accepting of that is because i think there's that nightlife element to drag as well i mean you know we're customarily performing at clubs or at bars or a taco stand on federal boulevard catch me every tuesday no but there's that taco stand on Tuesdays? Hey, I, th- I never said I was a creative girl. Okay. I'm just a girl that's paid. <laughs> but we're talking about the fact that there's that nightlife element. And I think at the end of the day, what a, f- what a celebrity impersonator is trying to do is that they're trying to give something for an audience to enjoy. Right. And I think what might be challenging this is that with your cosplayers now we're taking it from oh it's just celebrity now i'm picking up on other mediums on it but at the same end of the day we're at the end of the day we're both doing the same exact work it's just that we're drawing from different sources of information right so cosplayers and drag queens both want to create a look head to toe they both want to look as expensive as possible for the cheapest amount of money. Yeah. They both are drawing inspiration from something. They're creating something from something. Yes. And they're dipping into the same pools. The same exact pools. There was this picture I saw. It was, um, I feel like it was a picture. It was a behind the scenes picture of this kid who was getting ready for one of the comic cons this past summer. He was doing a he was doing a Joker look and it was a snapshot of like just the candid, you know, the day, the morning of the con and he's putting on the classic red Joker lip. My draggy ass is looking at this and all of a sudden I see in his hand that the tube of lipstick that he's holding is a Kylie lip kit. Okay. So we have that there. We have that context. Okay. And then I happen to go onto a different social media outlet. I think it was back in Instagram. I end up like switching over, and the next post I see on my Instagram feed happens to be a drag queen holding the same exact Kylie lip kit. So I'm like, okay, we're literally spending the same amount of money on the same exact avenues. Right. You know, we talked about Wiggins Fashion versus Cosplay Buzz, which is the same company. Uh, one of my favorites, I love 
Bobby Pins. Oh, God, I love his work. Bobby makes some amazing work. Did you see his bell hairdo? Yes. I wanted to snatch that thing. Like, but that's the life. thing, is he is create. he's a, by trade, he is a hairstylist for theater companies. Yeah. That means he's working primarily with wigs. And using synthetic wigs because they work better for theater, how they look, the way that they heat properly so that you can keep a microphone under them. He's using that primarily. He also styles wigs for Miss Fame. Miss Fame wears primarily Bobby Pins wigs. Mm -hmm. But Bobby buys the wigs, just generic wigs that he can then style and hand tie front you know, lace closures onto that he buys them from Arda, which is a huge cosplay yes. wig store. He uses primarily Arda wigs to create these beautiful looks that Miss Fame is wearing, that Willem has worn, that I have. I mean, my giant Bobby Pins wig is one of my favorites and the only one that people are not allowed to wear. <laughs> is that the giant Christina hair? It's my Christina marmalade hair, yeah. Okay. That's all Arda wigs. You first got your wigs from Arda, which yeah. is a cosplaying wig website. And those they, are some of my favorite wigs. I don't understand. That's what really grinds my gears. What grinds my gears? No, and it really is the same exact thing. I mean, we're using the same resources. We spend the same amount of time. I mean, the amount of time that a drag queen may spend, say, sewing, stoning, and probably even lacing up their own custom-made outfit is going to be the same amount of man hours that a kid may be spending buying the warble of plastic, melting it down, spray painting it, adhering it to fabric, customizing it entirely. Same amount of man hours, same amount of efforts, and they both turn out these really sick looks. Well, and I know that, and again, it may be because you and I both do drag and we both do cosplay, that I know that when I have a question on something, you can't go to a drag queen for everything. When I wanna learn how to style my hair differently than just teasing, I go to cosplay websites. Yeah. When I wanna learn how to transport multiple wigs, I go to cosplay websites because they come up with the best solutions because Drag queens are traveling to a bar within their city. They only have to take a few pieces. Cosplayers are taking multiple pieces, usually across states, to yep. go to different conventions. So they know how to transport some stuff. All right, so let's, let's wrap this up, Eva. Is cosplay drag? Yes. Is drag cosplay? Yes. I think that's our hashtag of the week. Hashtag drag is cosplay. Best hashtag ever. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap this up. What are some things that you hate about the drag community and the cosplay community intertwining? Intermingling. Things I hate. The judgmentalness. Okay. You we kinda of talked about the pickiness of costumes and everything, but just people not being receptive to people trying on which to sides both sides actually yeah i think it goes back and forth where you can you could have someone from a drag perspective say like your face is not beat your face is ugly but that person might feel beautiful in that aspect or they may they may be benefiting from a from guidance but it's the intent versus impact kind of point and then you have the deconstruct the pickiness or the nitpickiness of costumes which also does exist in the cosplay realm you know there are folks who bully each other and and would say like my costume is better i assembled mine from scratch you bought yours off of etsy sure all right eva where can we find you on the interwebs well i have a camp show on cosplayersforcash.com that website does not exist to my knowledge so if you find something out there used to me but i'm primarily on instagram um evolution 86 e-v-a-l-u-c-i-e-n 86 all right and you can find all of my social media contacts on my website lisydrawers.com all right eva you hang up first no, you hang up first no, you hang up first no, you hang up first